Welcome to Let's Talk Seniors. Thanks to Anglican Care. In today's episode, Michelle and I talk about how to die peacefully at home with our very special guest, Jackie Culver. Jackie is a nurse practitioner specialising in ageing, dementia and palliative care. She is passionate about people living and dying at home if that is the place they want to be. We look forward to today's chat, which is a potentially confronting topic, but one that Jackie talks about very eloquently. Welcome and thanks for joining us today, Jackie. Thank you for having me, especially talking about such a great topic. We know you're really passionate about this topic. As a rule, Jackie, do you think the majority of people want to die at home? I I do, yes. And, And research actually supports that. The majority of people would like to die peacefully at home. Having said that, a lot of people would actually like to die in their sleep which yes. doesn't happen quite so often mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's just a case of sort of like that desire for it not to have to face it and, mm. yeah you know but yes no. if you talk to people and you look at the research the majority of people would prefer to be at home in their own familiar surroundings to die yeah. makes sense doesn't it it does yeah Jackie if people do want to die at home should they have a plan and why do they need one Absolutely, they should have a plan. Now, this is where I sort of talk a little bit about the fact that my role is more like a midwife for the aged. Yes, I've heard you talk about that. It takes nine months to prepare for a Mm -hmm. natural birth. And if you need to call in the big guns, you can. Mm -hmm. uh, On the whole, a natural birth can be totally facilitated by a midwife and um, the family and the Mm. the woman having the the baby. Same thing for dying. It takes about 12 months Mm -hmm. to really prepare for a natural death and particularly if you want a natural death at home. Mm -hmm. And again, if you do need the extra support um, at that time, then that's usually available because it'd be part of your plan. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, very important to have a plan. Very important to understand that dying is usually not a quick process Mm -hmm. it does usually take a while and with it with a a decline a deterioration so in that period of time you will need to be cared for and you will want your symptoms relieved uh, so that you're comfortable Mm -hmm. and so therefore it's very very important that you explore the sort of things that are important to you is that what we talk about advanced care planning is that yeah Yeah, with advanced care planning and Mm. with advanced care planning i I don't usually start off by talking about you know dying at home because actually we can't Mm. do very much about when we die Mm -hmm. you know we, we can't really change that but what we can do is we can change how we die Mm. And so I talk about things that are important to people. So if there's a particular music that you like that you can play, if there's Mm. particular aromas that you like, and I even talk about tastes. Mm. Because, you know, if you're in hospital, the standard is to wash your mouth out with a nice sodium bicarbonate mouth swab. If you're at home, you can have a bit of gin on that. You can have a bit of, <laughs> wow. uh, a bit of mango juice, or you yeah, can have champagne. Oh, that's right, champagne. <laughs> I'm having champagne. Or you can, um, and you can have a little bit of chocolate to dissolve mm. on your tongue, or a bit of strawberry, mm. um, you know, puree. So you know, these are the things that you can do. There's no actually hard and fast rule mm. about it being medicalized. The medicalization I think we've happens. I just brainwashed to, exactly. to believe it is medicalized. Yeah, that's right. And we and, think it's a given. Yeah. And mm. unfortunately, medical intervention can actually hasten death mm. and also um, cause greater symptoms. Mm-hmm. So having a plan means you can actually look at natural dying mm. in a natural way mm. um, and support that process. Yeah. Mm. Particularly for people who are 
old and frail. Yes. Um, I'm not talking about people with cancer because I think okay. people with cancer probably do have a much more rapid trajectory at the mm-hmm. end. They often have greater symptoms that need much more medical intervention and sometimes mm-hmm. you do need that much more specialist palliative care. Okay. Whereas we're talking about probably non-cancer diagnosis, mm-hmm. um, heart failure, renal yeah, failure, Yeah, a more dementia. natural sort of... Um, yeah, the, yeah. The, where you it really is a progressive mm. disease that yeah. progresses to a stage where people sleeping more often, mm. eating less, drinking less, communicating with other people less, mm-hmm. um, and gradually sort of withdrawing from the world yeah. in a very natural, um, mm. yeah, natural manner. Really. Okay. Share Anglican Cares Let's Talk Seniors on your Facebook page. Your friends will dig us. So, Jackie, what do you think the main enablers are for people to die at home? I think you, you need someone to care for you. Now, obviously, if you've got a really good home care package mm-hmm. and you've um, and that's been escalated to the highest level, you've got income from that where and you can have somebody coming in two or three times a day. But if you're bed fast and you're, you know, for those last few days or even last week, you really do need somebody living in, somebody a living care. So it's important mm-hmm. to talk to your family about who would be willing to do this? Mm. Who would be willing yeah. to come and stay? Because it's probably or, you know, not something everyone could emotionally be equipped to do. That's right. And you need to build that circle of support mm. that I talk about so often yes. very early on so mm-hmm. that there's a really good relationship between your health professionals, mm. your care workers, your family members, and even friends, mm. you know, the neighbour. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> could be the neighbour. And, and I think the more we demystify death, the more people mm. feel they want to become engaged with it. And I know working with home care workers, the majority of them see this as, you know, the epitome of their role. You know, this this yeah. is this is something they absolutely love. Mm. Uh, if they're well supported, they really love to be able to go mm. in and support someone at the end of life. Mm. And family members the same. If you do it successfully... Mm. And there's lots of support and the person dies peacefully. The feeling at the end of that is, is it, obviously the grief is there. Yes. But, but also that sense of, you know, having made a difference. Yeah, yeah. it just feels really peace. respectful. It, and It is. Mm. And it's also, it's like it's like the slow goodbye, mm. you know. It's, yes. not, it's not quite as um, intense as someone actually sort of being in hospital, yeah. crisis happening, mm. you know, they die and then everyone's sort of coming to tell yes. you about it. And, of course, at the moment with the situation we're in with COVID, mm. you know, it's very hard because people are dying alone. Mm, which so is just awful to emphasis. think about, isn't it? That's right. So even more important for people to actually mm. get that advanced care plan in place yes. because you never know when an acute phase may impact on a chronic condition mm. and you may go downhill mm-hmm. and you know particularly for people with dementia I think and um, with complex with multiple comorbidities mm. like a lot of people have got diabetes on cardiac failure with a bit of renal failure you know you only need an infection I mean like COVID or the flu mm. or something like that for you to decline very rapidly mm-hmm. so if you've got a plan in place mm. you can enact that plan really quickly you say well no I don't want this I don't want this mm. this is what I find acceptable this is what I find unacceptable you know and you know I know that you know I've, I've said to my family you know like make sure the champagne's there for my mouthwashes mm. and make sure that you know I've got all the family around mm. they can have a bit of champagne too or some yeah. tea if they like <laughs> and Jackie who's <laughs> making I, this who are you making the plan with are we talking about family yes yeah. family so talking to family is really, really important. And sometimes you do need a health professional. Like I find mm. that sometimes when I first broach this topic that people are not feeling very comfortable about it. The person who's reaching end of life often is fine. Mm. And I ask two questions. I first was, are you frightened of dying? 
and they usually say no but if i say are you frightened of how you'll die they'll say well sort of yeah because it's unknown well if they've got a respiratory disease or something like that they think oh you know i'm going to die the most important thing part of my role as a health profession is to reassure them you know that we will be in control we will manage symptoms and that people don't actually you know die acutely Mm -hmm. they die very peacefully and by the time they go they probably don't even know that they're um, actually dying you know to, towards the end and they're uh, not in pain Jackie no definitely not not in pain not not breathless not feeling nauseous um, not feeling anxious so mm. it's important to treat all those things and and you know a good palliative care health professional will look beyond a bit of morphine <laughs> you yeah. know like cause a lot mm-hmm. of people sort of like hanker onto that and they think you know mm. I, hope I get that yeah but more important to give a really good relaxant to mm-hmm. give something to stop the nausea um you know to make sure that a person you know is, is not anxious and and not hasn't got symptoms that are causing them um distress that can't be um can't be managed mm. are you ready to downsize your home you're done with the endless maintenance and mowing the lawn with anglican cares retirement villages you can relax and live amongst friends carefree discover how at anglicancare.com.au so jackie what are some of the main differences between dying at home with a palliative care plan and dying in a hospital if transferred for an emergency well i suppose if you if you're transferred an emergency Mm. you've got to you've got to accept the fact that you're going to the hospital because you want treatment Mm -hmm. so this is an acute right okay you're not going to to die you're not Mm. going to hospital to die you might Mm. die while you're there yeah and there's probably in many cases uh, of people I see there's a strong likelihood Mm. and the person actually knows that and so to actually talk about the fact that if you go to hospital initially they're going to pull all stops to keep you alive mm. and that may be invasive you know mm-hmm. they're going to put up drips they may put you on a bipap machine to mm. get your oxygen saturation up they might um you know there's beeps going and, and mm. people are prodding and poking and, yeah. and, and everyone's sort of like you know taking blood and arterial mm. blood so it's a very um it's a very crisis driven environment and mm. there's no place for family mm. you know they really the, the family sort of and then Often hospitals do it very well. If a decision is to be made to palliate, they will they can move the person to a, mm. you know a special area, and family can be. Could in, you go back at home yeah. at that point? Well, you can, and yeah. that's the point. Okay. And particularly at the moment with with the COVID situation, then it's mm. more likely for you to be able to have family around if you do go home. Mm. And th- yes, but you need to have been connected in with a palliative care specialist, right? Or somebody, uh, you know, a palliative care nurse. It doesn't necessarily have to be specialist services, but someone who actually knows and understands the palliative approach mm-hmm. and is confident to support the GP. Because sometimes the busy GP is not going to get out of his surgery. Yeah. He can't just drop everything and come. So you do need that circle of support. You mm. need all those people. And there's some amazing things happening out there, like um, Queensland have put out their Caring at Home pack, which is quite an incredible pack that actually teaches families how to give subcutaneous injections. Wow. So they can actually So is give... that a pack of information, Jackie? No, it's actually a, it's, it's, it's got information in it, but it's mm. actually got, like, you know, the actual pack with syringes and, oh, okay. the, and, the, and the needle to show how mm. you would do it. So you can actually train... If a family member's willing, willing to do it, yeah. to give a top-up dose of something if they mm. if a person needs it, so that you're not waiting. So if someone's in pain or they've um you know they're very anxious or agitated, you mm. can actually sort of speak to them over teleconference or and you can actually give that top-up dose straight away. Mm-hmm. And so you know that caring at home pack has been absolutely incredible. And there is a whole webinar actually on mm. on that, and it, it's we use it in New South Wales as well. Yeah, well, I guess with an aging population, Jackie, it's going to become more prevalent. Uh, very much. So. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And I think that it's about that 
the most important thing for me is it's not just the person it's their family mm. so if you can if you can support that family in staying mm. calm and yes. sometimes the dying process is a bit longer mm. and people get very anxious about that and so it's really about saying you know like there's not much we can do at this stage mm. it may take two or three days mm-hmm. but what we've got to do is actually take each moment as it mm. comes and and just you know make sure that we deal with each moment and Take the crisis, take the mm. take the anxiety out of it, and usually once all that anxiety is gone, family have been and come mm. and said goodbye, and you're left with the core caring. Often that's when the person goes. Yes, because I've I've read things about this actually. Yeah. Um, people hang on until they've said goodbye to everyone they want to say goodbye to, yes, and and then they sort right. of let go. Is that yeah, yeah, let go and, mm. and, and go and and you know people say, oh, like, I want to be there when Mum goes at the end or mm. when Dad goes. But that person also decides that. And mm. I've had people who've sat by the bedside, you know, for 24 hours and gone to the toilet. <laughs> and, and the person's happened. decided to go. You wow. Know? So, it, it, you know, be, people go in their own time. Mm. The important thing to know is that when someone's reaching the end of life and they're in their last few days of life, they're very insular. Mm. So they're not very, you know, even though they're loving hearing the voices of family mm. around, and that's why the home's so lovely, beautiful music, mm. you know, children laughing, um, you know, dog on the end of the bed, mm. you know, all, all that really sort of normal, natural mm. stuff happening. And they're aware of it and it gives them a lovely sense of harmony. They're not actually engaged with the current world. Mm. They're, they're kind already, of... They've already moved. Seems in. like they're in between, Jackie. Yes, they're Sounds like a weird thing to say. But so it's yep. the family that, you know, mm. it's really important to keep the harmony there, to keep the, mm. you know, to keep the support there for them so that they don't feel like things are going out of control. Mm. And that, it's a massive thing to do, I mm. think. I think, like you said, you would feel you yeah. make it sound so beautiful and natural, and it is Kylie. Yes, that's what's so amazing mm. is the fact is, is it is so beautiful to have a natural end of life. Yes, and the fact is, older people, particularly frail mm. older people, know they're getting there, mm. so they're actually usually quite comfortable mm. with that. It's the people who are being left behind, mm. and of course, some um, there's the process of natural dehydration too, which yes. occurs. Yes. And that is very important too, to mm-hmm. recognise that the body, again, miraculous, mm. has yes. its own, you know, sources of being able to deal with things that are happening, it knows that the body is um, winding down, mm-hmm. so it slows down motility in the gut. Mm-hmm. So it slows it right down to so barely minimal. So there's no point in giving food and nourishment because the body can't absorb mm. it. All you're going to do is leave it in the stomach to mm. fester. So if someone doesn't want to eat or drink, that is a sign that they are actually prepared preparing for this mm. time and do families sometimes find that really distressing well, and do, yes yeah. okay and if, if they don't they understand that concept it, and they can put up a drip and put fluid on board but you don't want fluid mm. on board because the actual the process of natural dehydration is that the body actually uses up the fluid that's all around and 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 uses all that fluid up beautifully and people um, who die with natural dehydration often have a, a heightened sense of clarity like the brain wow. they can actually wake up and speak and talk and you know and be quite quite clear it's incredible i know it's amazing and that you often find that people um you know if you think about if someone died in the desert what mm. do they see before they die they see you know palm trees no oasis yes and that's due to the high urea and and uh, metabolites you know the, mm. the, the things that we normally would pass out through our urine building up in our body it gives a um, a hallucinogenic effect Mm. so you know so what happens is is they get very pleasant hallucinatory experiences and the other thing that's really important is you know you hear people talking about the death rattle Mm. 
And this happens when somebody might, someone's reaching the end of life and um, the mechanical breathing carries on, mm. even though the body is, you know, the person, the soul, if you like, is starting to move away. Mm. And fluid actually gets secreted into the throat. And it's the sound of the air going through that fluid that mm. makes that rattly that breathing. Noise. Okay. If you haven't got much fluid on board because you've naturally dehydrated, then you don't leak fluid from your mucous membrane. So mm. you don't have it. Right. And we okay. actually nurse people now at, you know, at, at I was going to say 45 degrees. It's not, it's more sort of like, you know, just, just slightly up in, inclined mm. so that they can actually drain. And if there is a little bit of fluid. Okay, so they're not drains. sitting, they're not lying flat, Jackie. Lying You've flat, got them, yeah, yeah okay. Incline, mm. um, a beautiful incline. Because if if that happens, then they the, any fluid that is there that mm. might leak actually drains to the lower lobes because they're not using those. Mm. So it doesn't matter. Okay. You know what I mean? So it's about that whole process of, of of using what we have mm. so you don't need medications to dry up secretions mm. and again talking about non-cancer people who mm. do dehydrate naturally so the less fluid you have on board the better mm. the um often people don't need pain management you know we often find that people who dehydrate naturally don't need as much pain management they're producing their own endorphins mm. um that natural dehydration oh, the body's so amazing jackie yeah. it is an incredible incredible thing and and Sometimes we medicalize it. We over medicalize mm. things. With interventions and yeah, that's right. And and we don't need to. And specialist palliative care was born out of people dying from cancer. Mm. And the fact that there is this incredible, you know, it's not natural dying because it's unnatural because mm. there's a tumor invading vital organs and things like that. So therefore, that's when specialist palliative care came from. But for the general population dying uh, who are elderly of chronic disease and dementia and things like that, then they're, they're, you don't actually need specialist intervention. You don't actually need medical intervention. Mm. What you need is you need somebody who can reassure the family that they're mm. on the right path. And that um, you sort know, of guide treat, them. Yes, and you have things already like you, you might have talked to the GP and have things written up. Something for nausea. Something you know, just in case they're mm. anxious or agitated. Something for the pain. So you've got those medications there to use if you need them. Mm. Sometimes too, what I find is that people want to hasten it, and they say, you know, oh, can't you give more, more morphine? But that would be a mistake too, because if you give somebody too much morphine, you over sedate them, mm. which causes them to actually sink into a deeper sense of consciousness than they actually need to be at that mm. moment in time, and you lose your clarity. Mm. You lose that wonderful time at the end to say goodbye. Well, that's it to say goodbye mm. and to actually let go yeah mm. yeah and actually um be you know be part of that process so and again you can have the you know the complications with breathing and things like that if someone's over sedated so it's about letting the body do mm, what it needs thing. to do mm. and it may take a week mm. you know people might stop eating and drinking and it might take you know four to five days mm. for the body to leave us but basically in that time that very special time they're still living and every moment is an important moment because what they're doing is they're preparing mm. and you can't tell when a baby's going to be born like two weeks before mm. or two weeks after you know we can have a due date mm. and so we can say to you know i think someone's going to die and quite frankly i can never predict it you know mm. you can say look it looks like we're getting close to the end however i've had people you know who picked up and been okay for a few days and then just suddenly gone and I've had other people who I thought were a few days away from dying and 
they're gone mm. and you think wow you know that was quick but obviously they were at peace they mm. were ready yeah i'm very keen to talk to people when they they're anxious about medication and thinking that medication is the the panacea mm. it's not no. it's really not you mm. know allowing the body to do its own thing is is what we need to do for all your aged care needs choose anglican care where every moment matters so jackie are there any cultural variations that you need to be mindful of when facilitating someone to die at home I think there's masses of cultural variations. Yeah, it's and cultural think, and religious, I imagine. Right. And I don't think it actually goes with it. You can't label a culture and say this is what you do mm. or things like that. That's why advanced care planning is important. Mm. What is important to that person in that space, in that culture? Mm. Many people have a deep faith, but mm. they haven't been practising that faith for a long time. However, there's certain aspects of that faith that they want to re revisit at mm. that time. Some people don't, you know. It's very important. There's aspects of, you know, indigenous dying that we need to be very respectful of and we need to be aware of that. But the most important thing is to talk to the person mm. and find out exactly what they want because mm. they don't always follow indigenous law. Yes, it's very individualised. It's very individual. Mm. And I think that it's very um, important that even though as professionals we need a little bit of an awareness of you know different faiths mm. and what they might need and different cultures and particularly indigenous culture because mm -hmm. that is our you know our first nation we need a little bit of awareness about what their preferences might be mm. so that we might say to them you know i'm i've heard that this or that mm. but the most important thing is that we actually listen to the person listen to the person mm. and their family and, and to what they it's important to them and what mm. they actually want so I think it's very dangerous to say that a culture does this or a culture mm. does that because it's a bit of a generalisation. Well, particularly in our multicultural Australia. Mm, yes. <laughs> Do you often feel like there's disagreements between families about what they want to happen? Sometimes there is, mm. and usually that's born in fear. Mm. So I, I think that again, this is a time when you can take people aside and just hear what those fears are, and start to alleviate them. Sometimes, particularly if, if, if people have come in late, mm. I'm always very aware of people coming in late to the dying mm. process. Um, they might be feeling very panicky and very mm. much like they need to do it. Health professionals, someone who's got a little bit of knowledge is sometimes a little bit more anxious. And I always make sure that if someone's a health professional, that if they want more information, I will find it. Mm. I will give them the research and um, a bit like, you know, giving medications for you know, the, the rattly breathing and things like that. The mm. research shows that it's not... Um, it's not best practice and it doesn't actually work at the end of life. However, we still get health professionals who, you know, because mm. up to 10 years ago, five years ago even sometimes, and even now sometimes it's recommended, mm. talking through that with them and showing them what the latest um, research has shown and showing them what we're going to do instead or, mm. or you know, I think that's the most important thing is, um, yeah, is, is helping each family member understand mm. what, what's happening for them yeah and come to terms with the decisions that their loved ones yeah. made because you can't override someone's decisions at that point of time no that's right yeah and it can, and it can be really stressful if you mm. do have a member of the family mm. who who doesn't agree with the mm. general consensus of things. yes but it's really important then to take them back to you know is it is it because you don't want mm. mum to go or mm. is it because you think mum doesn't want to go mm. what do you think mum would say uh, I've got a lovely tool the values clarification tool where people go through their values and I always say do this for you first mm. then do it for your mum yeah, because okay. if you do it for mum straight away or mm. dad or, or 
or sister or brother or anything, if you do it straight, straight away, you will put your your colour onto it. Mm. But if you do it for yourself first, mm. you start to think, well, no, I would not want to be kept alive mm. if I couldn't eat and I couldn't wipe my own bottom mm. and I couldn't do this and I couldn't, you know. And we I, forget and I, that, don't we? Exactly. It's about being realistic. Yes. You know? And um, just because you don't mind delivering that care doesn't mean to say that person actually wants to receive that care. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think it's very important to help people put it in context of their own morbidity mm. so they feel quite comfortable with that dying process. And what I usually find is that afterwards, people feel good. Mm. You know, obviously they're sad, obviously mm. there's grief, but they kind of feel good. They kind of feel that, you know, that they came to a place of acceptance. Mm. Um, and it's very rarely I find that people, you know, after someone's died and they've been through a really good process, mm. that they're still feeling desperate that the person that has gone. Mm. Well, Jackie, that leads to our next question. Do you have a, a story that you could share with us about someone you have assisted to die at home? I do have a really lovely one from quite some time back, actually, mm. of um, a lady who had dementia, advanced dementia, and she was reaching the end of life and her family wanted to take her home, her daughter particularly. Mm. And her daughter, um, uh, we arranged to get her home, took her home and did an assessment. Anyway, she picked up quite a bit, and I think probably because she was having the one-on-one care from mm. her daughter at home and her daughter was feeding and things like this, she picked up quite a bit. And she actually lived for nearly three months, which was, you know, more than we, mm. we, had, we had thought she was in the last sort of, you know, month of life. But then um, she did decline again. But the time she declined again, it actually worked quite well. Nearly all her children, her grandchildren had been to visit mm. and they'd been in to see her. And they, it, it was just a really beautiful process of people coming and mm. going. And then she she went downhill quite rapidly and we brought in the bed and the mattress and um, some equipment to, to help care for her and to help the daughter care for her. And I just had this amazing image in my head of going in uh, one day and there was um you know two there was a baby sat on the bed um the lady was was quite semi-comatose by this time she was not quite there but the baby was sat in the bed and there was another child beside the bed and the granddaughter was sat in the room and there was someone else making a cup of tea and they made me a cup of tea and, and you know we were sat chatting and then the lady who we'll, we'll call Maisie um she just opened her eyes and she just smiled and Aww. um uh, and it, it was a little granddaughter was beside her and she was only probably about 11 or 12 and she said um, oh mummy nan oh nana nana mummy um I can't remember what they called her um she's waking up and um and you know her, the daughter came over and she looked down and she smiled at her and um, she just smiled she just gave her this beaming smile and mm. she'd been unconscious for a few days you mm. know hadn't eaten or drinking anything wow. but this is this clarity that comes mm. with that um, dying process and it was just the most amazing thing she actually died about 24 hours later mm. and with a daughter just on her own mm. everyone had gone home yeah and it was absolutely beautiful but I just still have this image of them all around the bed and this just this beautiful beautiful atmosphere um you know music playing mm. people laughing in the kitchen um you know cooking smells around and and I thought oh you know if I go this is how I so comforting yeah, absolutely <laughs> and how lucky for the family to yeah. have that special time and and be able to say goodbye because sometimes that that is taken out of your yeah. hands, isn't it? So. And her daughter said that she actually climbed on the bed and mm. laid beside her because she kind of knew she was going to go, mm. you know? Oh, and, wow. lovely. and she actually passed yeah. with her daughter laid beside her and mm. nobody else around. And I thought, oh, oh that was, just, that was so amazing. perfect because that daughter would not have wanted 
anything mm. else. Mm. No, it was lovely having everyone there, but at the end, she wanted it to just be her and mum, mm. and that's why she took her home. Mm. So, you know, what intuition that yes. was at the yeah. end. Isn't but you amazing? know what? We should listen to our intuition yes. more. You yes. know, our head gives us thought, and our heart gives us feeling, mm. but our gut, gut is what tells us. Mm. You know what's what's happening. Yeah, and we should listen to it because mm. it really, yeah. It plays a huge part in the health paradigm. Yeah, it's a sense we ignore, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's mm. right. So, I always regret yeah. it when I ignore it. <laughs> okay, well, thanks so much, Jackie. As I knew you would, you discussed that topic so beautifully and I think, you know, we and all then, feel good I have, about I have that. another gift now, do I? Yes, you've got another gift. Oh, it's one about extra every, special guests. Every time I come here, I have <laughs> But this I one, this one doesn't look very healthy like this. Looks well, lot. it oh, is organic. organic. Oh, my goodness me. It looks absolutely absolutely beautiful a lovely pinot gris oh from the orange from the cold climate which is yeah it's lovely well that will go very nicely with my candle (laughs) sounds like a relaxing evening jackie that's exactly right (laughs) yeah and and i think the yoga mat i've I've been using as well so you know you've you've been very thoughtful girls and i've really enjoyed being here and we've loved having you thanks jackie lovely bye-bye We look forward to chatting to Emma McBride, the federal member for Dobell, in our next informative podcast on how seniors can engage with their local member. Do you have any topics you want Kylie and Michelle to discuss? Get in touch by emailing letstalkseniors at anglicancare.com.au.